What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Austin Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and can follow our uh, social pages on Facebook and Twitter slash X for the latest updates. Uh, this week, we got a uh, returning guest coming back to the program, a Celtic season ticket holder and my uh, older brother, Tyler. Uh, hey, uh, good, good to see you. Good seeing you. Uh, going to the game tomorrow, so hopefully they can uh, beat the Hawks. There you go. There you go. Yeah, hopefully you have more luck than uh, us going to the uh, Clippers game about a week or so ago. That, that was probably one of the worst games I've seen them them play. It was, I think, in the fourth. It was just like, all right, everybody on the bench, here's some minutes. Yeah. Just really looked like they had no fight and were missing Porzingis. Mm-hmm. But also the Clippers have been on a tear. I think at some point they're 25 and 5. Mm-hmm. So good team. Just wish it was a closer game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think going into that, I had higher expectations. But you know what happens? It's funny, though, that like they bring in the bench and the game actually got closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. But yeah, I think definitely an, an off night. But I think talking about this team, and I think this you know program will be kind of a kind of a quasi midseason report and take a look at the trade deadline. I mean, I think if if we're looking at that game as their their worst game of the season, and you look at their record and they're thirty eight and twelve, you know it's a pretty good season that they've had to this point. Yeah, I mean, I think midpoint. They've done really well. I think Porzingis integrated in the team really quickly. And when him and Jalen are playing, I think that gets the best out of out of Jalen. And I think Drew kind of took a little bit more time to like gel with everybody, which kind of makes sense given the point guard responsibilities uh compared to this center five um that Porzingis is. But I think now it's everybody's kind of finding that rhythm when everybody's playing. Um, I will say it's a little concerning how they kind of play when Porzingis is out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, them so far? Well, I think honestly, like in in terms of like the the talent that they had, the talent that they brought in, I think it's kind of where I would expect that they would be. You know, I Mm -hmm. think that I didn't have, like, I think my expectations for for Porzingis were pretty tempered because I was like, okay, he had a great year in Washington last year, but he's coming to a team with a lot more talent. But I think, like, he's integrated really, really well. He and JB have a great, uh, great two-man game. And I think that's, really impressed me um and i think with holiday it's like just has made such a seamless transition um and they're i think a lot of guys off the bench that i think have made more of an impact than i thought that they would um you know i think that someone like cornet has really improved his game you know i kind of when i when i would watch him last year it was kind of just like okay this is kind of what he's going to be but 
he's really improved his game this year. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline, but I think it's, it's shown that they are still very good, very deep team. And when they're fully healthy, it's like, there are very few things that can derail them. When they're healthy, it's they're rolling and they they all work really well together. Um, I definitely agree with you on the Porzingis expectations to what he's provided the team. Um, it, I kind of thought the Wizards' uh, season was a little bit of empty calories. Like you're a good player in a bad team, right? Of course, you're gonna have good numbers, but I think it's he's really shown that that wasn't a fluke. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think just the players that they have, it's yeah. JD, it's Derek White, it's Drew Holiday. Like they're, I would think when I watch them play, very unselfish. And then you have Tatum, who's kind of the, the clear number one. Um, mm -hmm. I think we'll maybe get in this later, but there's still some like end of game times where I'm watching and like let's do something more than just hold the ball mm -hmm. and then get an ISO and then it's not mm -hmm. the best shot in the world and then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest like okay like let's try to figure out the end of game um offense um because mm -hmm. I think that recently I was watching a game and it's like they have the first ranked offense for the first quarter and second quarter and then they kind of fall off a cliff in the third and fourth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think, you know, you would hope that, you know, rest of the season into the playoffs, it's, you know, ex experimenting or exploring other options late in the game other than, you know, Jason just kind of taking the ball and taking an isolation shot, you know, see if you can set up a shot for Derek White, who's been, you know, great in the fourth quarter all year. You know, Porzingis has been pretty consistent shooting the ball this year and, you know, gives you just such a great mismatch when he posts up. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, very few teams that can match up with a 7-3 center that can move like he can. Yeah, he's he's um, top of the league for points per possession in post-ups, which is just kind of watching him it's like oh this this is kind of the player that we all kind of thought he was going to be when he got into the league in the first few years and kind of his Mavs run I think kind of derailed it just based on how they wanted to play and not having him in the post area um when he's such a clearly dominant post player um and I know that this is the Celtics style and of just shooting threes, which when it works, it it's awesome. But every now and then it's like, okay, let's you're at the basket. Let's maybe go for the the layup. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's contact, maybe draw the foul. Yeah. Rather than just, oh, we got to the, the hoop and it's a 50-50. And let's just throw it out to the corner or throw it back out to the three-point line. Um but I think Tatum has done a better job this year at getting to the hoop with more ease than he has in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. And I think, 
you know, it is kind of just the way that they play with the the shooting threes. But I do think that, you know, they are just so much more dangerous when they have that kind of aggressive attacking mindset where, you know, it's like taking it hard to the hoop and getting fouled or, you know, just kind of getting getting that contact and, you know, making it really difficult to defend your team. And I think they're great when they're attacking the basket, but they're also, you know, making the right pass and making making open shots. It's like bully ball with finesse where it's like if you do it enough early in the game, which I think J Jalen Brown does an incredible job in the first quarter of just kind of setting the tone. Mm -hmm. But it's like you do that enough and then you're going to get more space for the threes later in the game because teams are worried about your driving ability. So it's kind of a pick your poison. I, I wish they would do more of the drives every now and then just mm -hmm. to keep other teams honest rather than having kind of a five out defense on the three point line. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, clearly talking about Tatum and Brown and Porzingis and, you know, how good they've been as a trio, but I think this year has been a lot about Derek white and how just so solid he's been and, you know, had games where it's like, okay, there's reason to think that he could be an all-star. You know, not saying yeah. that he'll make the all-star team, and he may, but it's just this kind of unbelievable that they have Derek White also, who just plays the game, plays the game so just in control and is always knocking down big shots when they need it. Yeah. Um, I went to the, the Pelicans game where mm -hmm. he was just not playing well the first three quarters. And it was also one of the kind of classic Celtics games where it's like, are we going to yo-yo by being down a bunch, cutting it, being down a bunch? And then they were able to have a really great second second half. And Derek White was a huge uh, part of it. Like when he hit that three, the first three he hit in the fourth, he just looked up and it was like, oh, there's a huge weight off your shoulders. Yeah. And then, and then he went on a tear to hit more threes and get more points. And it was just like, okay, all you need to see is one go in. Um, but I, yeah, Derek's, Derek's perfect for this team. He, him and Drew are really steady hands running the offense, mm -hmm. which is the player that came recently back. Marcus absolutely love him. Was crushed when he was, he was traded. Mm -hmm. I think there were times where it's like, oh, okay, like let's maybe like slow it down here. And we just kind of went faster. I feel a little better with the ball in Drew and Derek's Derek's hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just more often than not a little bit more in control. I mean, obviously they're going to have games that are not in control, kind of like the Lakers game, you know, early in that game, it kind of was like, it did, it didn't seem like the, the focus was there, but I think most games it's like, okay, those guys, you're pretty confident in their ability to, you know, run the offense and, you know, make make the right plays. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously we are uh, talking a couple days uh, before the trade deadline. And um, I think, you know, thinking about what the Celtics, kind of the, the spot that they're in, that they don't, aren't really in a position to make like a major ad at the trade deadline, but I still think that there could be room for, 
you know, if they think about adding another big um, or adding another wing player, I mean, I think, as I said at the beginning of the, or talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, Horford's getting up there in age and is not playing the back-to-backs and Porzingis, you know, has missed some games this year. And there's always a, you know, injury concern. But I think thinking about like Cornette and like Kata, they've been playing really, really well. And so I guess if they do make a trade for a big, it's kind of like, okay, I don't know if I want that person, you know, eating into their minutes. Yeah, I, I guess my pushback is I'm okay with develop, delaying the development of those two if it means getting a championship. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm, I've been really impressed with Keita. I, early in the season, he was getting a little bit more runtime. Um, I think he's come back. I think in recent games, well, it's been a really good year. It has been a little, I mean, alarming is the wrong word because we're top of our best record in the NBA, best record in the East by like five games. And you're seeing the Bucks and the Sixers have, much bigger problems than the Celtics do, but it's like we need to get the offensive rebounding or the defensive rebounding under control because it's like that's how I've seen them just lose control of games where it's like you have great defense for 18, 20 seconds, but you can't close the possession with a rebound and it just wears wears them down, um, which for all that Porzingis brings on offense, it's just not a huge strength of his I've found sure. um but yeah I and then it's like okay if you get somebody who's a prolific rebounder is is that type of player out there who would fit under the cap restrictions that the Celtics are currently under and also not be a complete zero on offense right so the the, the name that I kind of read about today was Andre Drummond now, obviously, is a fantastic rebounder, you know, fantastic throughout rebounder. his career. Great, great mimic, mimicking players post-ups uh, while they're playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's a name that I think would make sense from a rebounding mm -hmm. perspective. You know, I, you know, kind of don't know what else he really gives you. You know, maybe gives you some length and defense at the rim, but it's just... I'm not really sure what else he's bringing to the table, but, you know, then again, if they're bringing in a veteran guy to just rebound the ball, it's like you're not expecting that player to do a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's nobody out there that's going to be like, oh, my gosh, he checks all the boxes. Like, there's going to be a handful of cons, but if, if it's just like, okay, he can go out there, control the glass for a little bit, offensive and defensive, um, like – yeah, that's that's fine. Like we're gonna be playing big team. Like it's gonna be a little. I think the playoff picture is gonna be a little weird, and we might touch on this later. But it's like you have Philly with him beat out at least four weeks. Yeah. How how healthy is he gonna be when he comes back? But it that's that and like Milwaukee. It's you got you have Giannis and and Brooke, like two huge guys. Giannis more athletic, but it's just like you can't let the game get away where you're giving up offensive rebounds and then you're throwing out to Dan Willard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if they, if they're acquiring a guy like 
uh, Drummond get ready for the, uh, you know, auto automatic fouling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, all we get in the bonus. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Kelly Olenek was a name that I heard, but I think he's, unless they're making... What is that? I think he's a... <laughs> Not saying Kelly Olenek's is Rolls Royceable player, but I think he's a little bit above what the Celtics can get unless Danny Ainge wants to do a real solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like if they if they were to acquire him, they would have to, you know, Send do money. something kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that that's a, a name that I think makes sense. I think you know Drummond would probably be one of the bigs they could look at. There are a couple of other. You know, wing players, DeLon Wright, uh, Sadiq Bey, um, uh, Najee Marshall from New Orleans. Um, just guys that I think could play a little bit of little minutes here and there, play some defense, shoot some threes. But, um, you know, I think it just would be maybe solidifying some bench scoring, if that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, then it's like you do this, you go out and get somebody – and then you're in the playoffs and the lineup shrinks to mm -hmm. eight eight players that are getting any serious minutes. Right. Um, and I mean the benefit of the playoffs is you're never gonna have a back-to-back. -back. So Al is gonna be playing in all the games, he's gonna be rested. Right. Um and I keep hearing the Celtics are gonna have these like they've had such a difficult strength of schedule to start the season, and it's gonna get a lot easier, and then it's like Mm -hmm. Well, we we just played Dallas and the Clippers and Milwaukee. When is this easy period going to come? Like, is it going to be the last two months of the season? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I do. I do think that I did see something. I like the rest of their schedule. It's like the combined winning percentage is like four fifty. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, that is. That is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're not really in a position to do anything crazy, you know, but I also think like if they decide not to do something, okay, that kind of makes some sense as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, Thursday, you know, if there's any, you know, movement, if they do anything. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's always one or two players where it's just like, I, I didn't see this player leaving mm. in in like this this deadline but something is always going to shake um and it, like the Celtics are coming from a position of strength there's right Brad did a really good job over the offseason putting together a really good team mm -hmm. we don't need we don't need to go out there and make a deal to make a deal right I mean, he has all those second round picks now. And he, mm -hmm. I think after the trade, after the draft, he was like, yeah, these are like really valuable in, in trades. But I remember being a coach and just being like, why are you doing this? Why are you getting hoarding these second round picks? But now he's wearing a different hat. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, so we kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of, um, you know, questions going forward. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked about was the, uh, late game execution that that you know is something that I think can be a little bit of a concern any other areas or like areas that you have questions and for the team going forward um I think it's 
it's finding the bench scoring. Like I think Sam is is a really good role player. Um he has been when the threes aren't falling going to the hoop more this season. I think I've seen him make all of his NBA dunks this year. Yeah. Um and I I think Peyton's done a pretty good job and I think he's kind of the NBA contracts are just so kind of out of proportion now. But I think he's he's been a really good solid option off the bench. Granted the other team doesn't have two huge guards that are just gonna bully him. Um he, he tries really hard on defense and it, it it his level of effort really shows because of his ability at offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. There'll be points during the game where it's just like Payne Pritchard just got two straight offensive rebounds and are giving the Celtics another chance to score. Like he's a perfect second option off the bench. Um but it, it in, the, in the playoffs, it's like, okay, teams are going to get more locked in. Defenses are going to get tighter. They're going to allow more physicality during the playoffs. Like, are those two going to be able to provide reliable mm-hmm. scoring when called upon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you? Yeah. You know, that's something I've thought about throughout the season that, you know, Pritchard and Hauser, when the shots are falling and they're doing things, that they're really good at offensively, it's great. But then, you know, the, then there are other games where the shots aren't falling and it's like, okay, where's the offense going to come from if the shots aren't falling? So that's kind of where I go back to, like, thinking about the trade deadline. And it's like, I kind of would like them to acquire another player just, you know, for a little bit more consistency in scoring the ball off the bench because, you know, you're gonna, they're going to need that in the playoffs. They're not going to be able to just coast on scoring, you know, 80 points with their starters. That's not going to happen every game. Yeah, or, or even just like a different offensive profile of somebody mm-hmm. who's more of a driver slasher than kind of Peyton and Sam. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they do a decent job at, at getting to the hole, but yeah. just somebody to kind of give a different look Mm-hmm. to the opposition yeah um trying to i mean you know i think it's kind of been an issue all all um all season is the third quarters sometimes can get away from them and it you know whole whole time is being a Celtics fan third quarter yeah. comes on they switch ends and it's just like oh like kind of lost their heads mm-hmm. i think there have been some games recently that it's been a little bit better but then i think there are games where it happens where it's like, okay, all the momentum you put in at the end of the second quarter, you know, they're up 14 at halftime and then five minutes into the third quarter, it's a five point game. Yeah. So, you know, you can't have things like that happen in the playoffs. So they really got to be able to kind of batten down the hatches. Yeah. They, they need to, they need to become more ruthless um, in the playoffs. It's, don't drag out series mm-hmm. kill off kill off games so that you can rest your best players like this is it adds like another month and a half two months if you go get to the finals like you don't need to be playing seven game series right especially okay. with Porzingis like every extra yeah. game is an extra extra chance to come down and just roll your ankle and then it's right. a different I think a different expectation 
Yeah, and I think the I mean other thing is you mentioned that defensive rebounding and be able to being able to corral the ball, um, you know, is something that I think will kind of be looked at going forward and you know could influence maybe something that they do at the deadline or you know something that they really emphasize uh, cleaning the boards because they think extra possessions in the playoffs also are pretty important. So, you know, you hope that they can kind of clean that stuff up as well. Um, I'm curious about um, kind of your thoughts on the coaching staff and specifically Joe Missoula and how you feel he's done in his second season uh, to, to, to this point. Built upon and improved upon his first season. Um, I think there was kind of a difference in the offense compared to Ime and just like the, the whole how he became the head coach is probably not how you'd want to become the head coach, where it's right before the season, you kind of miss out on the summer camp, you lose other members of the coaching staff, and you're kind of starting. Bad at, at go. Um, and I've seen this year, I've just seen his offensive kind of blueprint for the team really um, develop and kind of sink in. And when it, when it works, it, it works extremely well. And early in the season, they were just like kind of blowing out teams. And I think they kind of got a little lackadaisical in January. Um, I think we'll, a little bit I'll uh, blame on just kind of the scheduling that they they had where it's you get two two games in Texas, then you come home for a game, then you are going back out on the road for a back-to-back. -back. Right. Um, so I'm just hoping that they can kind of get back to how they're playing beginning of the season. Um, and I just think having um, having the ability to kind of go out and like get Sam Cassell um, – as a as like the second person to look to look at and like lean on for advice is probably more reassuring and allows him to do a better job and feel more confident in his in his job. Hmm. Yeah, I think I probably agree with that assessment that you know he's become a little bit more comfortable and you know it's just like within with an actual coaching staff it you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable. It just was so wild, the amount of turnover that happened last year, you know, in the, you know, days before the season, during the season, you know, how many assistant coaches and people that they kind of just lost where it's like, okay, that bench is looking pretty thin, but now they got a couple of, you know, experienced uh, assistant coaches. So it's like, okay, Joe doesn't have, all this stuff that he has to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of last little bit I wanted to talk about is uh, when we, you know, looking further, uh, looking further in the future for this team and maybe looking at the playoffs, um, kind of curious about teams that you think would be good matchups for the Celtics in the playoffs and then which teams that, you feel like you you would like to avoid i would just like on the record i would not love the celtics to play the heat in the first round um 
I, they're just a playoff team. I like they're currently sitting at eighth. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that there's any reason outside of Jimmy getting hurt that they wouldn't make the playoffs. But it's just like they just kind of turn it on, and I think their playing style is benefited by kind of how the playoffs are officiated. Yeah. Um. I just I I wouldn't want that to be the first round round matchup. Um. But I mean, if if the Hawks or Bulls can sneak in, that would be great. Um. Pacers, I think we'd be fine, but it's their offense is very reminiscent of the the Suns back in the day, where it's just like we're gonna score as many points because that's how you win games. Um yeah. and it's like it's a seven game series. You let one or two games just go that way, and then it's becoming a longer first round than you want. Um I think they still end up winning it. I wouldn't, I mean, it's good. I kind of mentioned this before, but just the Bucks and the Sixers are kind of in this weird spot of like, are the Bucks going to figure it out? Are they going to get a coach that is of the caliber that I think the Bucks kind of deserve? Like the firing was just kind of odd and it was, I don't know, a little bit spurred on by the, how they play defense, which, I mean, you lose Drew Holiday, replace him with Dame, but it, it was reported that there was conversations on just like, just tell us the basics of how you want us to play defense because we are confused on what you want us to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then Sixers, if him, if Embiid's only out a month, how are they going to be able to kind of maintain their record? Or, I mean, if, are they going to now kind of fall into that ladder bracket of playoff teams that don't have home court advantage, which I think is something that they want. Like, they're a much better team at home. Mm -hmm. But also, it just depends on what player you're getting back when Embiid is healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's... I know it's, you know, probably super early to talk about kind of like playoff seedings and all that because you look at the the standings and they kind of seemingly change every couple of days. Um but I think you know as you said Chicago, Atlanta, you know, Brooklyn, those would probably be good matchups. Um, you know, kind of easier first round matchups. Um, you know, I think Orlando has given the Celtics some issues um in the last year or so. Uh, but I think like Indiana, the Celtics would probably be able to figure it out. Um, but curious about, you know, what Philly looks like at the end of the year. I also think that, you know, the Knicks are a team that could present some defensive challenges against the Celtics with the way that they play. You know, they play some good physical defense and I think have given the Celtics some issues in the past with, you know, Brunson and, and Randall when they're knocking down shots. Um, you know, I think don't really see the Bucks as too much of a threat. You know, I probably feel feel like I'm crazy for saying that, and they'll probably go in a seven-game series with the Bucks again. But mm -hmm. there's the team where it's like, feel like there will be bigger challenges with other teams. You know, obviously Giannis is a great player and, and all, but it's just, 
they just have major issues defensively. And it's just, I don't know if changing the coach really does anything to fix that. You know, there's still an older roster. So, you know. Yeah, it's just because we've, we've played the Bucks recently in the playoffs and have done well. And I would say those teams are better than what the Bucks are currently constructed. I just feel better about the Celtics chances. I mean, same thing with the Sixers. I mean, the Cavs have gone on an absolute tear. Yeah. I think the, the Cavs and the Knicks have, have done incredibly well. Um, they're dangerous, I would say. Yeah, they're, they're dangerous. I think they, at the beginning of their kind of win streaks, were kind of feasting on the lower end of, of the NBA, but it's like you still go out and play. Everybody's still an NBA player. I mean, they've been able to maintain that. And I mean, now sitting sitting at second. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain it and how they do in the playoffs. I mean, that they played the Knicks last year in the first round and just didn't go didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. You know, I think that the Celtics have built a pretty good, you know, buffer between them and, you know, second, third place, whatever. So, you know, I think unless something drastically changes, they probably would be the number one seed. And then, you know, we'll see how the the play-in shakes out. And, yeah, you know, because I think, yeah, you know, two months till the end of the season, there's a lot that could change. I think the plan has kind of affected how we're seeing this trade, like the past few trade deadlines where it's, you're seeing fewer teams are sellers because it's like, Oh, can we get in the plan? And all we need to do is win one game or two games. And then we're in the playoffs and anything can kind of happen. Um, So I think you're just seeing fewer teams go out there and say, oh yeah, like we'll we'll take this deal. We'll kind of just mm-hmm. chalk up um right. chalk up the season as a loss and kind of acquire assets. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well uh great having you on as always. Great to talk Celtics and uh yeah, I mean it'll be an exciting couple days see if the Celtics, you know, do anything at the deadline. But then, you know, it's kind of just the sprint to the end of the year and you hope that uh health is good and their habits are good and they're all set for a good playoff run yeah thanks for having me back on go see see us rise yeah absolutely (laughs) all right uh well yeah